Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. Welcome to the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving, listen to me. The day before Valentine's Day. And are you in for a treat? You know, it just worked out wonderfully that our guest author, the types of books she writes, I think are very fitting for uh, Off the Shelf show for this Saturday, February 13th, again, the day before Thanksgiving. And I want to thank you guys for joining us, especially our loyal listeners who've been with us going on 12 years. So thank you so much. And I'm so excited and can't wait to introduce you to the fabulous author we have on deck for today's Off the Shelf. But before I introduce you to our guest, I I started doing this a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to leave you with a thought, just to plant a seed of thought in your mind, something to think about as you go through your day and the rest of this long holiday weekend. And that thought is, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust myself to always reach my destination. Again, that's, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust myself to always reach my destination and that quotes from jimmy dean and next as i tell you i i want to know how good of a mystery sleuth you are how good are you really if you're watching a movie or you're reading a book at figuring out who done it before the movie reveals it or the book another question i want to ask you is how much do you value relationships and love if these if you if you love mysteries you like figuring things out before it's revealed and you value relationships relationships that you see people change you see people awaken and and grow and develop and you see a couple who is destined to be together the the ups and downs and the twists and turns they go through including friendships and and complicated family relationships if you value that and you like to read books that not only entertain you, but maybe give you some aha moments that you can actually help change and improve your own life. I think you're going to love, love Pour Over Me. And you can get Love Pour Over Me in ebook or print format anywhere because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. If you don't see it on the bookstore shelf, just ask the clerk for it. You want a copy of Love Pour Over Me? by Denise Turney. You can also get a copy of Love Pour Over Me at my website, which is www.chistel.com. Again, that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me and let me know how you enjoyed Love Pour Over Me. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest, And our special guest today is W. Parks Brigham, and she is a Houston, Texas native. This is she's probably the second Texas native. We had a lady on earlier, and she was a proud Texan. So we have W. Parks Brigham, Houston, Texas native. She has a bachelor's in social work and a master's of education. She's a Christian, a mom, an avid book reader, and a romance writer. Uh, senseless misconceptions destined to be who am I supposed to love, promises, surviving the storm, and you weren't meant for me are some of the books 
that W. Parks Brigham has authored. So she she is a prolific writer off the shelf listener, and she per, she combines her love of reading and writing to create great stories that we all can read and enjoy. And you can check her out online at www.wparksbrigham.com. She kept it simple, and it's spelled W P A R K S B R I G H A M. Again, that's W P A R K S B R I G H A M dot com. W Parks Brigham dot com. And she, like I said, she was smart. She kept that URL simple. And that's one great marketing tip for off the shelf listeners that you can take advantage of even before we get into the rest of the interview. So I just wanted to stress, if, as a marketing tip, it's, it's important to make your URL available online. You don't want people to have to search for it. Keep it short, easy to remember and understand, and make sure people can find it online. We are absolutely delighted to have W. Parks Brigham with us on Off the Shelf Book Talk Radio this Saturday morning. So welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, W. Parks. Thank you, thank you. We we are so excited. Uh, Good morning to you. We're so excited to have you here with us and blessed to have you here with us. Now, we love here at Off the Shelf to give our listeners a bit of background on our awesome guest. So to kick off today's feature interview, could you tell us, W. Parks, what life was like for you growing up in Houston, Texas? Uh, It was, you know what? I had to become an adult to realize how wonderful it was. I was fortunate to grow up in a, a two-parent home, a hard-working father, li- uh, living in a neighborhood, going to the neighborhood school. Um, I met friends. You know, uh, we started out in kindergarten, and we are still friends to this day. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, still and friends yes. to this day. So it was really nice. We, um, you know, back in the day, the neighborhoods were uh, the village. So you yes. couldn't get it. You know, if you did something and your mother or your father was not around, somebody saw it. So you just couldn't get away with doing things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know old what? School. That is the way it was Pretty much back old then. School. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you always wanted to be a writer? And if not, what what was it that inspired you to want to write? You know, I, I I know I had no idea about being a writer. That was just not one of my things. I wanted to be a social worker and slash fashion designer. But oh. uh, I love reading. Uh, I mean, when you say avid reader, I, that I grew up reading. And uh, in high school, well, it really started in elementary school. I started reading it, but I never thought about being an author. And uh, um, I think, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember, Terry McMillan's book was one of the first. And I said, oh, this is good. Some, you know, uh, someone recommended. And so in the back of the book it said, if you, if you like this story, you'll love the others. Uh, you'll love more like it. And so I uh, ordered some books, and I romance novels, and I said, Wow. So I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta, and so you can imagine how that was. I was like a child in a candy store. I tried to buy all the black 
romance novels they had. And my sister said, Wanda, you don't have to buy them all. At any rate, I read and I read. And so uh, in reading, I said, you know, uh, everybody is a size six, a size four. Why not have a plus-size woman? Mm-hmm. That was number one. And then number two, I said, well, you know, I can do this. And I had a friend that said, oh, if you think you can, why don't you? So I, I wrote my first book as a dare. Okay. Uh, this is Misconception was my first book. And, of course, I had all kind of excuses. Uh, I can't type. Uh, I can't, you know, I, I just can't write. I didn't think I could write it by hand. And then I was a, a school teacher, so, you know, where was where was I going to get the time? Needless to say, I wrote the first book in, in tablets, and I loved every minute of it. Well, what did you teach? We had another author. Just pray. I am a retired fifth grade teacher. Did that influence your writing at all? So you, you – even while you were teaching, you never thought, "Wow, I could I could write a novel myself." No, is that, and that, isn't that amazing? No. Now, what happened though? When I did start writing, I, you know, I was determined to write the kind of material that I did not mind my children reading as they grew up. When I say my children, all of my school, my classes that I taught, you know, and and they were the first like the first book I wrote. They were aware that uh, I was writing that book. And, uh, you know, and I dedicated it to them, but I wanted to make sure the language was good and my intimate scenes were decent. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that I never thought about writing. And what, when I was in elementary school, I used to, you know, how the teachers assigned you to write uh, papers and uh, imaginary stories. I was good mm-hmm. at that. I, I, they always wanted me to write, you know, to read my story first. And because it had humor, you know, they all, you know, it was funny. They laughed. I didn't realize they were not, they, I thought they were laughing at me. They were not oh, laughing at okay. me. They were laughing at my my writing. I mean, right, you know, the right. story. So, therefore, I had no, you know, it, no, writing a, a book, uh-uh. Now, I'll tell you what I have done because I, um, I am a writer, and that happened to me. I've encouraged, I have encouraged other children, you know, my children yeah. to write. And so I do have some who write poetry and short stories. They're not professional yet, but, you know, well, I take that back. I think one was telling me he did something with Disney, but I don't, you oh. know, I, I've lost with him. Uh-huh, so that's, that's the thing. I, you know, I wasn't encouraged because during my day, we were encouraged to go to school to be teachers, nurses, Doctors, lawyers, you know those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It it really so, has changed over the that that in itself is 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 a topic for when depending on when somebody was born here in this world, you were your options years ago were much more narrowly defined. Getting a job at a, the post office was like a great job. Exactly. <laughs> now, My father now, now nobody coming out of high school or college is like shooting for the post office. But that was, or getting on with a General Motors or somewhere, people told you, oh, right. you get on over there. Or like you say, become a teacher or working at a hospital. It, it It's just the, the, it's opened up more for young people now, right. I think, the options, which I think are good. And then for you encouraging young people to write, it's so. It's, they say writing is healing and self-expression. 
So thank you for doing that. Now, so you read Terry when Terry McMillan came out with what? Waiting to Exhale. Uh, no, Is that what pulled it? I think I think the first book I read was Mama and, and Disappearing oh. Act. Okay, so that's what. Is that what pulled you toward the genre of romance? Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. You know, I no, I need to back up. When in junior high school, well, in L, but in junior high school, I did uh, romance uh, books. You know, when you had to do a book report, and uh, everybody had to do a book report, and then you were asked uh, to get up and tell what you write, what what did you read, and uh, the genre and all of that. And when I would get up, I, I, I think just the first couple of times I said romance novel, and so anytime I got up. Uh, the class would always say it for me, romance novel. So I guess I've been reading romance a long time. <laughs> and this is oh. what I say to you. I live in the real world, so please let me have happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> w. Parks, what do you mean by, and you sort of alluded to this earlier in the interview, what do you mean by no one can write a big girl's love story better a than big a big girl? girl? You what know you what, and, I, and that's also, uh, I was featured in a magazine before I get to that, in Bell Magazine, it was for plus-size women. I just, okay. you know, uh, now, so she she fixed that for me, my, my interviewer, but I feel like you have to walk in a plus-size woman's shoes to know how to write that story sincerely, because all plus-size women you know, nowadays they are because, we, we, you know, we've accepted a plus-size woman. But during the, when I wrote that first book and, and, and put that out, we were given, uh, you know, people looked at, like, looked at you as if you can't, no one really wants you because of your size. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, we had low self-esteem and we had low, you know, low self-worth. And so that was my, that was one reason why. I wrote this book, and all of my books feature plus-size women. Okay. Now, uh, all all of them. And now you may say, uh, and I know there are a lot of authors who are writing plus-size women's stories. Okay. And some of them are not plus-size women. And uh, some of them are men. What I, what I really do not like was about some of the stories, they're loud-mouthed, big women cussing and, you know, just low class. And I, and I don't like that. So all of my, my plus-size characters are educated, sophisticated, highly intelligent, and they are not looking for a man to validate them. See, that's what, that's a, a, a real plus-size woman. They're looking for a man to love them and accept them for who they are. Okay. You know, and that's good. And then also... Um when a woman is plus size, but she's healthy, so you see a plus size exactly. woman, but she she does exercise. She does. It's not like she doesn't even care about her health, but she's healthy, and you say she has a good self esteem, and she's not begging somebody, please love me, because I don't think anybody will. So that right. is a, a a positive a positive image, and maybe someone who's walked in those shoes would be best to tell and develop that story. When did you? Um, when did you start writing Senseless Misperceptions, and can you tell us about the process that you used to develop 
senseless misperceptions. Okay, uh, senseless. I started writing senseless misconception. I'm trying to remember back. I think in '96 is when I started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I start. I started, and uh, like I said, I wrote it in a tablet. And uh, after I've I've I finished writing, you know, I, I as while writing, you know, I did a little research. I bought, you know, back you know back then wasn't anything about internet and all of that ebooks. So I bought resources to about writing romance, and uh, that kind of stifled me a little bit. So uh, you know, and then I, I you know still talk to people, uh, and so I was told, you know, this is your style, to go with it, and I did. And of course, I met a lot of the Arabic African American authors. Uh, I went to Dallas and met Emma Rogers, who owns uh, Black Images then. And you know, and the late Frances Ray. Oh, I can name somebody. Oh, uh, uh, was she was Ray. she was an angel. Oh, she, she you know she encouraged yeah. me. And yeah. then uh, Margie Walker, who was more like who was a mentor. You know, they all were our best writers, and so they told me when I finished the book. Uh, you know, I was told that um, publishing companies were not looking for stories about plus size women. Mm. And and uh, uh, one of the writers had just left that big romance conference, and so she said a couple of uh, the other ladies were trying to sell their work, and they didn't want it. So I I, I said, okay, I self-publish. Now, where I got the idea of self-publishing, because I didn't know anything, uh, Kimberly Lawson, she that's when she self-published her first books. And I said, okay, I can do that. And I found me a printer. It just so happened to be someone that we have always used with, you know, for family businesses in the church, and we worked we worked a deal, and the rest is history. Okay. And, and uh, now, uh, go ahead. The only the only thing is that I jumped out on faith. We printed a real nice book. I got me. A, I I had a, uh, a artist to do my cover, and uh, went from there. I had no idea that I had to sell the book. When I say sell, promote myself. Yes, and so I learned that. But back then, it was expensive because I did a lot of traveling. But I, I truly promoted this book, and what really just pushed me over was uh, I went to Chicago for a BBW uh, pageant. It's a big, beautiful woman's pageant, and I I met uh, her last name was Aline. I I tried to remember her name. I have it written down somewhere. Anyway, she was editor for Bell Magazine. Okay. And she told me, sister, we're going to support you. Mm. And at, at the time, I had a friend that was from Chicago, from uh, New York, and he told me, he said, you know, he was going to do me a big book signing. And so she said, well, whenever you come, contact me. So I got, I, I went, I contacted that lady. I did a, uh, a photo shoot. She did an article. They had, she had a, we done an article on the story, and then she put, I think, four chapters. And wow. whenever that, when that magazine came out, Denise, my phone just blew up. Oh because my we, goodness! That's how old school we were. You know, you put your telephone in it. That that phone blew up, and the thing about it, mm. I, I I subscribed to BBW Magazine, but I had not received my magazine yet. And I told my sisters, I said, 
we, we need to go find this magazine and see what is it. And they had oh, a beautiful picture. Oh. And a wonderful, it was just wonderful. It was magical. Oh, and the rest, that is, wow, and I, that is so, I, that is so, I, thank I you for sharing you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And for our listeners who that something like that could happen to you, whatever it is, your dream, your aspiration. I know somebody who created a hair product. I interviewed her for a different publication, and I, I said, how did you get your product in Whole Foods? And she said she just walked into the grocery store, went up to a manager, and asked, how can I get my hair products in here? Boom, done. <laughs> you just have to, when the opportunity comes, be ready and don't talk yourself out of it. Go ahead and let yourself be blessed. Can you That's introduce right. us, uh, W. Parks, can you introduce our off-the-shelf listeners to Nathan Collins and Jasper Simmons? What are their personalities like? Jasper and Nathan. Jasper was uh, shy, uh, you know, quiet, studious, and very smart. And uh, uh, self-esteem wasn't very low, but, you know, she just wasn't sure of herself. Nathan was conceited, (laughs) slightly arrogant, handsome, God's gift to woman. And that this story was taking place uh, in Prairie View at, at the university. Uh, she, they, uh, he was going to graduate school, and she, well, he was taking some graduate classes for something else, but she was graduating from uh, graduate school, mm-hmm. and they met at an Omega party. And I need to say cute party because my brother's an Omega, and he said if it ever gets out that I was talking about them, He's going to sue me. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, no, we'll sue you. But that's they what that's. Now, they the, the meeting, they, didn't, they weren't supposed. She met Wolf. That was the guy that she was, she was supposed to be hooked up with. That's how I wrote that story at the very beginning where she was with Wolf. He came to her rescue uh, when she fell and down and got caught up with a trash can. And uh, she was, you know, trying to get to the uh, administration building because her, her gown was too small. Her graduation gown was too small. So that's how they met. She met Wolf, and then, uh, of course, he was standing around with his boys, who one was Nathan, and I, I, I can't remember who the other one. But at any rate, they were invited to the um, to the party. And when they were invited to the party... Something happened, and then it changed. Now, let me tell you, when writing, when I wrote this book, I had her uh, uh, coupled off with one person, and but this story wrote itself. And and what I did, because Nathan was so arrogant and snotty about her being a, you know, he referred to, man, don't you think she's a little too thick? Well, I said, okay, uh. I'll fix you. You the one. <laughs> So what attracts Jasper to Nathan? They seem so different. What they attracts are different. Him to he just he mesmerized her. That's what it was. He just he. But what attracted the, them together? Period. You know he she he was going he was her first. You know first boyfriend, first person to you uh, the first man that she really allowed to get close to her. And I think the reason why is because. <laughs> 
she was trying to do a good deed because Wolf's ex-girlfriend came to that party, and she uh, talked to Jasper. And uh, Jasper, is, a, is, is uh, as uh, some of my readers have said, I'm just too goody-goody, but she was a goody-goody. And so she talked, she asked, she fixed it for her. All this girl wanted to do was talk to Wolf and tell him about her baby, their child. And then what she wanted to do, she it, it wasn't that she ran out ran out on him. You know, something happened. And so that, and so Wolf, she had to get, uh, she got Wolf and the, uh, his friend together to have a t- talk. And then uh, she had to take Silk on the dance floor. And you remember, she couldn't dance. She had to take Silk on the dance floor. So that's how they got together. So all this oh, okay. chemistry uh-huh. just popped up. Now, can you share one to two misperceptions that Nathan and or Jasper have about each other or, or someone else or an experience in the book? Okay. Um, let me see. Cause see, I'm, I'm good at, you know, I, I, I think my stories have elements of surprises, and I like mm-hmm. to say, what? That what? Go, and they go have to go back and read. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> they missed that, or either they can't, uh, you know, they want to find out how did this happen. Uh, mm-hmm. to... Now, I, I think, well, first of all, um, Jasper, she never would have looked at Silk because she just knew he was, you know, he wouldn't give her the time of day. Mm-hmm. That's that's one misconception with her, with him. Uh... And, you know, she just he just wasn't her type. Like you said, they were different. Now, mm-hmm. as far as as far as uh, uh, silk, the misconception about silk because he was silky silk, he was people thought he was a womanizer. He was not a womanizer. Uh, His heart had been broken also. Okay. And so uh, things happened, you know, and he was, you know, he had been lied on and and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, and when that happened, he went to, uh, you know, he enlisted in the service behind something that someone has said and accused him of. So the misconception with Silk is that he wasn't as arrogant and conceited as people thought he was. You know, he had a heart because him and Wolf were the bestest of friends, and uh, they had each other's back. And he really had Wolf's back, especially when uh, Wolf's ex came into the picture. So you have to you you're looking at your characters like we do with people when we first meet them. Yeah. And 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 psychologists have said we make a very quick second judgment on everybody we meet. And unfortunately, a lot of times those judgments are wrong because we don't even know the person yet. And we a lot of times make the judgment because they remind us of something from our past. Right. And and so we make the judgment and it sticks and it's almost like we the person has to prove to us that our judgment was wrong, and then exactly. like a great writer. So you 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 get the people get this first. Then as they get to know the character, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. It's, it's the same thing when we meet yeah, people. In love, when in we love meet with people them. every day, our judgments are not always right, and sometimes you just have to be willing to maybe I got that wrong, and and get to know the person. What what have readers been saying about senseless mis? Conceptions. What have you been hearing from readers when they tell okay, you Okay, now this book is, uh, like I said, this book was done in 97. So what everybody wants to know, 
Dr. Paul, when are you going to put it on e-books? When, when can we, you know, the, those who bought this book in 97, 98, 99, 2000, I think was the last, they want to know when can they get this book again. So that's the biggest thing. The next thing, uh, in the day when they were reading this book, they wanted to know, uh, or either they said, oh, I know that tree. I remember that tree at Prairie View. <laughs> uh, either they'll say, that happened to me. I just didn't get the man. <laughs> so I have to let them know, this is romance. This is, this is fiction, happily ever after. <laughs> you, you know, I have to let them understand that. What what are some of the challenges? Uh, we're talking about an, a, another of W. Parks Brigham's books. What are some of the challenges that Gregory Adams Larson experiences in destined to be? Uh, you know, just like you said earlier. Now this child, this child, this. You know what? When I write my stories, all of these uh, my my characters become my. My children, my 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 grown <laughs> children. With Gregory, Gregory, uh, great aunt raised him. Okay, and mm-hmm. he got with the wrong crowd. Even though he was he was a, a he didn't you know when I say the wrong crowd, a rowdy crowd. They you know they didn't do uh, drugs. Well, I, I didn't put that in there, but okay. he was a child that was thrown away. And God was an old aunt at at six years old. So Jasper, I mean Jasper, uh, Kelly befriended him at six years old in kindergarten. He never forgot that. And so Mm. people thought because him, uh, you know, uh, no one wanted him but his great aunt, that was a a warning sign. But he was only six. And then as uh, as he became a teenager, he was with a rowdy group, so they thought he was not going to be about anything. That was uh, a misconception. And then, bless his heart, when he graduated from high school, his aunt had left him everything, mm. and they thought he was going to squander that. That mm-hmm. that wasn't true. He invested his money and became the the person that he really wanted to become. Wow. And people never knew he... He was the one that built up this little small town, uh, you know, uh, renovated the the businesses and homes. He made it possible for black-owned businesses and people who in black homes and whatever to to remodel their homes, keep keep their family prop uh, 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 family property. Now, Edna, Texas, is a real town. That's where my 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 daddy's people grew up. Okay. So that's a real little country town. All you know, I love small towns. So a lot of my stories are in small towns. Okay, and so now that just... was the thing with Gregory. Now uh, uh, Kelly thought Gregory was guilty of something, but he was not. Uh, so look and, like and the have... thing about it, Kelly and Gregory were victims of circumstances. When I say behind friends. That, you know, I think that's the best way I can say it without giving away, the, you know, the story. Now, Kelly, they she, she you would think she would know him because she befriended him when he was they were six years old. But does she later, when they become adults, does she get with Gregory because she admires how he's dealt with 
the challenges he's faced, or does she feel sorry for him? No, there's no pity at all. There's a there's a there's an attraction between the two. Now, she always had a feeling for him because you know they walled. You know, they, even though uh, they broke them up in a certain grade, and that's what you know kind of they went their separate ways. But in living in a small town, you can't help but to run into each other. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, I'm and I I feel like. You know, with him showing off and showing out with his friends, you know, they kind of pushed her away. And uh, he always had feelings for her, too. So there was an attraction between them as young people. Now, what she was going to, if I'm not mistaken, because now, look, I got ten stories now. uh, And I wrote this story several years ago. If Uh I'm not, she was going to invite him to a dance, and her best friend talked her out of it. And what she found out, uh, he supposedly had said something derogatory about her, about her. And so that's what started all of this, you know, where she didn't like him. But he, you know, it, it was he didn't say anything. It's just that he he got he was accused of doing something. So as soon as he got old enough, he left Edna. Okay. Now, uh, how now, did they meet again in Atlanta? But this is what happened. Ah. Uh, and, you know, if if I was to share, I would always share the first couple of chapters anyway. They meet each other, not knowing who they are, you know, she met him and he met her, not knowing that they were, you know, who their real identity was on Ah. an airplane. And she snatched his bracelet, and the rest was history. Ah. You know, they had that, that, that chemistry right then and there. You know, you know that romantic chemistry that we talk about, romance writers, and so. But you know, never thinking they didn't exchange numbers, anything like that. So, uh, you know, they they weren't to meet again. But as destiny would have it, <laughs> fate ah, would have. Yeah, they met again. Wow, the time to be now. Without giving the story away, I, I know you. I think that the, the, when you show that they met in this small town, people don't have very low expectations of Gregory, and then they meet again in Atlanta. It's like you want to read the story to see what happens. So, But without giving the story away, what past, there's something in her past, what past does Kelly need to let go of? Can you tell that without giving the story away? Um, she needs to let go and forgive. Uh, it's going to be a couple of things. Well, yes, I guess I can, because you still. Well, let me see. I'm trying to see because see, I'm the one with the big mouth. Uh, no, can we take a long time? Let's see. I think what she needs to stand. She judged him behind what somebody say. Okay, that's that's it. She judged him with that he say she say stuff. And she didn't really know where all of this came from and who was behind all of this. And then when she found out, she had to let go of the, uh, she had to let go of all that hurt and uh, pain because this was somebody real close to her. And she had her reasons for why she did that. And this person that, that, that did that, they felt bad also. Gregory was just a victim of circumstances all the way around. Mm. 
He had no idea. And when he came back to Texas and he talked to this person, he also showed forgiveness and told her, you know, that was okay. You know, they, they wow. let's move past all of this. So wow. now I, let me just drop this in. All of my stories, I, I, I try to uh, uh, emphasize character and uh, Christian traits. Forgiveness. We want God yes. to forgive us. We need to forgive right. other people. Yes. Yeah, even when you feel like they really, really hurt you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You need to move on. Yes. Because now one story, I don't know if you, uh, uh, no strings attached, we'll wait. That, that that story was really powerful. And I'll, I'll wait. I don't want to jump the gun. I wanted to ask you, is so the sign to be, is this your second novel? And if so, was writing That's your second? Be, yeah, this yeah. is my second. Was it easier? You you already had a book under oh, your belt. No, 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 no. I, I, you know oh. what? This book was not easy. As a matter of fact, the next uh, promises and who am I supposed to love? They were not easy to write. And and, and I'm going to tell you what I did. What happened? Uh, the story was easy, but I felt like I was trying to write something better than senseless misconception. I felt like I had grown as a writer, and I made the mistake of asking people, which book, you know, which book do you like the best? Sister's Misconception. Uh, you know, I couldn't get past that. And then, uh, you know, so I, I kept, instead of, you know, of course I'm writing a good story, but I was still stuck on trying to make it better. And so an uh. author friend told me, Sometimes your reader will have the, their favorite story, and you cannot you cannot yes. change their. Yeah. You know, you just. So I said. So she said, just write your stories, Wanda. Just keep yes. writing and writing. So. Yeah. I let you it go. That's that's a good uh, a good message for any of our listeners who are writers. Right. To not, you know, you you're not going to be able to please all your readers. Just write your best your best story. And readers do have their favorite books. They'll just say, I I, I hear about Terry McMillan. Some people will say, Oh, I like Mama the best. That was her best one. And some people will say, Waiting to Exhale. You can't change that. You can't change no, that. No, you can't. You can't. Can once I a- learned that, then the rest was history. I'm just popping okay. them out. Can you give us a synopsis for you? You were meant for me. Oh, I just love that story. <laughs> that uh, first of all, that's that, that story was taking place in Allensville, and uh, Allensville is a made-up town. As I, you know, in in uh, doing my promotions, I said I love small towns, so I bought my own. <laughs> <laughs> bought my own. Now Allenville uh, is uh, the uh, I, I, it's a series. Allenville Matchmaker Series, and that's what You Were Meant For Me is the first one. It's uh, This uh, story is where uh, the Allenville Matchmakers, you know, the church group have a matchmakers group, and what they're doing, what they do, they set up socials and uh, events for young Christian adults to meet other young Christian adults, you know, for men to meet women. And Mm -hmm. so the church is getting ready to hire they're uh, a new minister because the uh, senior minister is getting ready to uh, retire, 
and all of my stories are, you know, a lot in Allenville there around there at the church. All of my characters go to church, and we all go to a church of Christ. And in my and in, in I don't know. Um, well, I, I know in one book I really go in detail about the church, but I do let you know what the Church of Christ is about. And so they're getting ready to get a new minister, and uh, he's single and he's young. And naturally, in any in any any church, a young minister, older people get it, you know, get a little bit antsy. They think they they need a wife, and so right. the so the elders are, uh, so the the minister who was the the uh, retiring minister was asked to help get his wife on the on the job because they were part of the matchmaking group and she and her sisters think they're the top group top ones to to um bring together a group bring together a couple and so that's what she did now Tyson that's his name Tyson did not uh want them to hook him up as he was saying he wanted to find, he already met someone in Allenville okay. that, that you know, that, you know, they, the chemistry was there. Okay. All right. Now, the person that he met, who is Jetta Faye Anderson, she also wants someone. You know, she she's just like any young woman. She wants the forever after, the family, the love, and on and on. But Jetta Faye, and she met Tyson. And she felt that chemistry. But what happened, he's the minister. And she feels like she's not worthy enough to be a minister's wife because of her past. Mm. In the prologue, it lets you know, Jetta Faye left Chicago practically running. You know, she was in all kind of trouble. And it uh, just so happened she was innocent. Well, she was getting ready to serve some time. She was innocent. And so uh, she, uh, you know, left and came to, she went to nursing school, got a certification. And so uh, they, she was told about uh, her, the lady who, uh, her professor gave her, you know, recommended her to get a job in uh, Allenville. And that's where she went. So now uh, what, what it says on the uh can I just read the synopsis on the back? Sure. Absolutely. Allenville matchmakers are at it again, but this time they were called upon. The church has hired single Tyson Brinkley as their new minister. The leadership insists he needs a wife to please the senior saints. Tyson wants no part of their matchmaking scheme, not knowing their choice was the one who captured his heart during a previous visit. Problem? Mm. Faye Anderson has no desire to be a minister's wife. It's up to him and the matchmakers to make her see they're meant to be. Ah. And it, it's, you know what, and I'm not saying it because I wrote it. This is the sweetest <laughs> little. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yes, I, this is the kind of stuff I read, Denise. I love that. I say, oh, that's so cute. I love to read those kind of stories. <laughs> now, what is, tell, tell us about some of the other books in the series. This is the first book you were meant for me oh, in the series. This is the first one. And then the second one is called You Belong to Me. And this is Jetta Faye when she came to uh, Allenville. She befriended a friend by the name of uh, Trisha. And they became the bestest of friends. And so Trisha uh, meets her at Jetta Faye's wedding. Trisha meets her 
her, uh, let's see what I want to call him, her childhood sweetheart. She always, they always had a crush on each other. But, you know, mm. it was said that he could be gay. And uh. so, so that was, uh, you know, so that was a big thing. So that's where this story takes place. Now, all of these stories are, you, read, you know, they stand alone. But I always tell people, read, you were meant to me first, because you belong to me kind of spins off. And so Trisha is is a is a um, physical education teacher who's you know a phys, you know has that stigma about you know just jogging suits never looking girly lady like except at church and then even even at at church you know she wore uh, uh, polyester pants and uh, I'm trying to think uh, uh, the name of this of uh, fabric that, with these shirts. Denise, and these are the kind of shirts I, I wear also, I used to wear. But anyway, mm-hmm. they're, they're shiny. It's a shiny fabric where, you know, you wash, oh, okay. put it dry, you're done. And okay. so that's how she was, just plain Jane. So mm-hmm. she gets a makeover. And then the next book, uh, You're the One for Me, well, You're the One for Me came out afterwards. Uh, no Strings Attached, that's book three. Now, book three is really something. It's really powerful. <laughs> Yes, because this story, uh, no strings attached, and it's about this this uh, young lady Ryan comes from Arkansas, and she moved to Allenville. She had to just start over. She packed up and just had to start all over. Why she was getting ready to get married, had bought her wedding dress, planned everything. Her fiance and her sister betrayed her, mm. and so it wasn't you know keep from going into detail. Mm-hmm. She left there devastated, traumatized, and the last thing she told her mom, she would never love another woman's son. Chocolate swirl came into the into her world. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Chocolate swirl came into her world, okay. and the rest is. So now, why would you wow. read this story? See how he breaks her down. To see mm. if she's going to ever forgive her sister and her fiance. So there's a lot of forgiveness, you know. And when I wrote this story, I had to do some, you know, well, I do research. Period. But I had to ask mm-hmm. some girls, how would you forget, what would it take, well, what would you do? And, baby, they wanted to fight and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So that's, that's book four. No, that's book in, three. In the series. And there's book four, You're the One for Me, and then book five, We Belong Together. Mm. Now, and now that's the you... end of that series. And they all stand alone. But I, I said, okay, enough of uh, Allenville. Even though now I'm not gonna lie, I do have a couple of stories where it takes place in Allenville, but it's, I'm not. The matchmakers had nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> the matchmakers had nothing to do with it. Okay. Now, now, uh, you how many novels? Because I know some writers they churn them out to uh, a novel every three months. They've got a new one coming out. How how long does it generally take you? To uh, to finish a novel, it just depends, uh, Denise. You know, uh, 
this Allenville series, all those books were written last year. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened. Oh, so you wrote four books last year. Oh, yeah, uh, well, probably more than that. Let's see. Because uh, this is 2016. One, two, three, four, five, six. I wrote six books last year. Wow. Now, and, and you know, it just depends on the flow. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have another book that's written, so I need to say seven. But now you have to remember, I'm retired, and I uh, and I can sit up all night and write, and I can get up when I get ready. So that makes that that's one thing. The the uh, the story has to flow. My story flows because I guess I see them as a movie. And they won't let me sleep. So, uh, you know, it's just going over and over. So I have to get up and, and do some writing. So it, it really depends. Now, I'm writing a story now. And I started on that story in November, and I'm still writing it. I would have seen the time I would, I would be through. Okay. So, it, you know, I, I just cannot pinpoint. Now, uh, one book that I wrote, uh, uh, Who Am I Supposed to Love? Oh, that's a good one, too. Who am I supposed to love? That book, and that and that's a, a, a very in depth book. But I bet it took me about three months to write that book. Well, yeah, and that's my have... first racial story. Ah, uh, yeah, but you say like you have time. A lot of writers have another job, so you that's have right. the time a to a family. Yes, you have the time to pour yourself into. into I do. You know, but then, but then there are other writers who have other jobs who. They just turn them out. Because, you know, back in the day, uh, 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 Donna Hill, I'll never forget, Donna Hill wrote a book a month if she didn't do two. Yes, ma'am, and she had a job. And Brenda Jackson, you know, did the same, you know, at least every other month. Oh, you know, so it depends, it's discipline. And, you know, that's what they said. But, see, I know one had a job where she uh, had to go out of town so that was her downtown, you know, where she would write it, you know, to relax before she would leave. But uh, it just depends. And I, I tell writers because, you know, they want to know, well, what did you do? I wrote every day. Mm. Every day. Now, like I said, I'm retired. When I was working, I stopped writing. You know, after I put out Sister's Misconception, Destined mm-hmm. to Be was supposed to be the next one. As a matter of fact, I started Destined to Be in 1999, and it was written for the Melimina. Mal- look at the Melimina, but uh, for 2000, and I did not. Yes. I did not get it complete, so I had wow. to go back and do a lot of rewriting. And then I just said, okay, Wanda, you can't put yourself under that kind of pressure. When you retire, you have all the time in the world. And that's what I did. Okay, okay. What lessons did you learn while writing your very first novel that you continue to use today? Now, really and truly, the very first novel, I, I, I can't say. And, and, I'm gonna, and the reason why, that book was so well received. You know, it, it just, what, the, what that book did, it gave me the confidence and, uh, you know, all of that to just do more, and I didn't. The second book is what taught me, ooh, lots of lessons. Mm. Okay? Because my first book was short and simple, even though it's a full novel. 
it, you know, it it was. Well, I, you said what I still use. Okay, it, I, I got to the point. I painted the picture. I used the five senses to present the story, and that's what people really loved. I could see him. I could smell him. I can feel him. You know, that's what I did. Ah. I can see what she has on. I love to do that. I can see the room. So now those are the things that I have kept going on in my story. Ah, very interesting. You're the first writer I've heard say that with the five senses. So that's oh, another yeah. tip. I have to have yes, yes. So so the reader can really feel like the story, they're part of the story. You know, not only are you going to see, I mean, you'll get emotional. You know, me, I, I, when I wrote Sense of Misconception, I got teary-eyed. I said, wait a minute, girl, you writing this. <laughs> but, you know, when I when it brings tears to my eyes, then I know right. I've done it with tears. Yes, yes. Now, are any of your novels, you say some do, they t- most take place in small towns, Uh but are any of in some of your t- towns are fictional? But are any of your novels based on real life events? And if not, where do you get the ideals for your stories? Okay, um, I, I, you know, uh, yes, they're based on real events because now one thing I, most of them, well, not most of them, but several of my uh, my books, I center around holidays. I love holidays. I start with Halloween, end up with New Year's. Okay. So uh, uh, one book we did, uh, Who Am I Supposed to Love? We did tailgating in that book, and that happens in Prairie View. And I, you know, tell where they, you know, doing the football games, homecoming, they have big tailgating parties. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Now, uh, in um, You Were Meant for Me, uh, I fixed it where they, in February, they did uh, uh, Black History Week with the children. They did rodeo because we do that in March here in Texas. We're getting ready for the big rodeo right now in Houston. The rest of it I mix up. I have an imagination out of this world. I always have, and I guess always will. But that's a good thing as a creative person. That's a, that's actually a blessing. What what really uh, as we come down to the last few minutes of today's show, uh, Wanda, what advice would you share for someone who's in today's market? I mean, the, this changed since we both entered the the book publishing arena. But in today's market, what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about self publishing their first romance novel? Okay, uh, the first thing I would tell any and everybody, is to be sure to get a professional editor. You can't use your friends. You can't use your English teacher. You can't use, you know, these people who, who you know, who, who you know, they know their, 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 their job, okay? But mm-hmm. to be an editor is something different. You know, you have to look. It's more than just grammar and punctuation. So you need to get a professional editor. And the next thing when you get when you pick that person, you need to make you need to do some research to make sure they are who they are because I made that mistake. That's number 1. Number 2, now I enjoyed uh designing my covers myself. Ah. I love it. But you know, I I'm a creative person. I'm just not creative with writing. Denise, my, I, I'm creative with uh, 
bulletin, you know, doing teaching school, okay, I had to be a magician to get, a, you know, the the idea over to the children. So my creativity right. is wide range. So I enjoyed making my own covers. Now, what I self-published with Create Space. Now, I, I don't, I they work well for me. Okay. Now, I've heard some people, you know, have complaints or whatever. Uh, it's if you don't jump into where these people tell you, uh, these uh, self-publishing companies tell you we can do A, B, C, D and charge you such such amount of money. I've got oh, yes. $5,000. Yep. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so you have to be careful with that. With your first book, go to Create Space. Create Space, I like to say it's for dummies, and I have some students that they do not like to hear me say that. But I don't <laughs> mind saying I'm ignorant to some things. Okay, and what you do if you're having a problem, you call those people, and they will talk you through everything you need. Mm. And then you're not paying anything yet. Now they right. do have services, but if you stick with it, you can get it right. Right. I, I you know, with that piece of advice you shared, same as, uh, and I thank you for sharing that. Same as if you're looking for a literary agent or a printer. Uh, just do your research because everybody out here isn't legit, and you can get yourself in a situation right. where you you're you're out of tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. and you, you're in a bad spot. So I that I really appreciate you sharing that because I'm told there are a lot of writers who they they dig into the their entire savings they believe in their book and they get ripped off and I, I hate to see that happen to somebody so I appreciate you sharing that do your research talk to other writers you should never take on yes. a literary agent who charges a reading fee or somebody tells us if you give us like five or ten thousand dollars we'll make you a New York Times bestseller I would tell I would say run, run. you run need to you run, run. because yes. even those who are picked up by publishers they still have to promote themselves. Yes. So that's one thing yes. we, we need. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, I'll, I'll make your book a bestseller. No, ma'am, no, sir. You have to do that. Yes, yes, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Hopefully the numbers of writers who end up losing everything, that that, that number goes down to zero. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books? Uh, you can Amazon.com. Okay, Amazon. Amazon. Are you on social? If you're on social networks, please tell us where we can find you on social media. W Parks Brigham. Uh, that's my Facebook page. Uh, w. If you put in W Parks Brigham, you'll find me. My Facebook page, my website. Now, my email. Do I need you know what my email address? It, whatever you want to share with the, the listeners. My, okay, my email address is W Parks Brigham at writeme.com and Okay, and her website again. We 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 so thank uh, Wanda Parks for being here with us. It's her website. Please go over and support her. Wparksbrigham.com. Again, that's W P A R K S 
B R I G H A M dot com. And and check out her books, her book series, and her new books. And she's working on a new story. Now, last year she knocked out six or seven books, which I find incredible. So please go support her again, wparksbrigham.com. And thank you for being here with us today on Off the Shelf. Thank you. You were a blessing to our listeners, to Wanda. We want to thank you. And please tell your friends, book lovers, your colleagues, family members everywhere, tune in to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll bring you another great guest next Saturday. Again, Off the Shelf Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Spread the word. We're heading into our 12th year. Thank you so much, Wanda. As I always tell our listeners, Remember, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are awesome. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself, and happy Valentine's Day, and enjoy the long weekend with the President's Day holiday. Wanda, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Okay. Thank you.